Welcome to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Dirk Christensen, and we have lined up for you information to come on out of the weekend and back into the swing of things, swing of spring, you might say, Joe Gangwish. That's right, and a lot of folks who haven't planted any corn yet are getting a good start today. Talk to few guys from around the area they were going to get started today so greetings if you're listening to us in the tractor hope you had a great easter weekend everybody that's right that's right what are your chances guys of flying a drone this year i don't know they're getting better and better i guess yeah Yeah. Yeah, what there's a uh, there was a poll done on farmers and their chances of flying drones we'll talk about that in ag news at 12 13 epa is soliciting feedback on regulations for which programs can be eliminated or modified i'm sure they'll get some interesting comments back on that and the ethanol industry working to expand the use of higher blends of ethanol bruce gorder has a report from last week's emerging uh, ethanol issues forum that took place in omaha Dewey Talks Markets with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. That'll be at 1219. Corn was lower as we uh, looked earlier on in the morning, so corn really not posting a very good day at all today. Jesse Harding with Danny Merkley. He's Director of Water Resources with the California Farm Bureau. He was a paneled speaker at the Water for Food Conference last week. He will discuss water issues that California farmers deal with on a daily basis that'll be our newsmaker segment at 12:45. bruce is back to chat with governor pete ricketts of nebraska and he'll talk about uh, the atmosphere in dc right now and what the state of nebraska can do for renewable fuels and that also from last week's ethanol emerging issues forum all right thank you joe gangwish over to jason jorgensen we go vanilla the word most associated with the saturday game it was most of them usually are but uh, 78,000 fans must like vanilla. Can't be wrong. <laughs> a beautiful day for football in Lincoln. We'll cre- we will recap the uh, spring game. We'll let you hear from one of the stars of Saturday's game. Also, some big news made in Manhattan today. Of course, uh, this announcement was released late on Friday, but uh, K-State has a new athletic director. Gene Taylor is his name. Uh, he had a very good run as the athletic director at North Dakota State when they went from their trans, uh, you know, they, they were Division Two, and then they went to Division One, and that's gone very well for uh, them. He held a press conference today. We'll let you hear uh, some of his comments on taking over the Wildcats. Also, a much-needed victory yesterday for the Husker baseball team. They had been playing so well, but they had dropped two to Iowa. Huskers had a rally to pick up the win yesterday. That would have really soured things as they went into that series, having won 15 of 19. But that's baseball. That is baseball. Things can change very, very quickly on, on you. Right. A fun game to watch yesterday. Too. Yeah, it was. Of course, we had a law on the network, but that was a good one they chose to put on on an Easter Sunday, and that was pretty compelling television <laughs> toward the end. And if, radio. Yeah, yeah if, <laughs> if you're a Husker fan. Yeah, that's right. But it's Iowa tough. had to be very, very happy to go into Lincoln to take two out of three. Yep. By the way, Beard's looking very good. Thanks, I'm trying. Yeah. I don't know how long it will last. Whenever you guys say that, then I'm <laughs> tempted to shave it. All right, and over to uh, Mr. Brogan we go, who's been sporting a beard for quite some time. Technology and consumer-focused fo- stocks are leading indexes higher in midday, and so we're watching that situation. U.S. home builders are feeling slightly less optimistic about their sales prospects prospect but of course we all know it's location location and location (laughs) it is and well yeah it is kind of i mean you know it's where your car is located where your house is located something like that but anyway that's kind of what's going on appreciate it it's all coming up for you today on midday 
bring in Paul Perkins and find out what's heading into this week. Lots of precipitation opportunities, looks like. Yes, some opportunities. Uh, it's not probably guaranteed to be a good soaker for a lot of people, but we are going to see some um, a fairly a fair number of Let's, we'll just call it a fair number of rain chances over the next several days. Whether it's going to pan out as majorly beneficial for everybody is yet to be seen. Right. But for today, we are looking at some mild and dry conditions, a big range of high pressure overhead, and that will gradually move to the east. Still some stubborn clouds, though, over southwest Nebraska to northwest Kansas, especially if you're along and west of a line from about Broken Bow to Lexington to around Phillipsburg. It's still fairly cloudy, but off to the north and east of that, we're seeing a lot of sunshine today and some very mild temperatures. Low pressure slides into the northern plains tonight. Closer to that area of low pressure across the northern plains, we will see the better chance for some widespread precipitation. Thunderstorms still possible across Nebraska and northern Kansas tonight. The better chances the farther north you go, especially to the north of Highway 92. A cold front will stall out right along the Nebraska-Kansas border late tomorrow for a lingering chance of some showers and thunderstorms tomorrow night on into Wednesday. Looks to be mainly dry later on on Wednesday on into Thursday as high pressure takes over. Then another chance of rain does start to arrive Thursday night into early Saturday. But the forecast models have trended that better chance of appreciable rain with this system a little bit farther to the south. But we will at least see some decent rain chances with that. Whether it remains, it remains to be seen, though, as to whether we will see a great amount of moisture in the way of a good long-term soaker. In our long-term forecast, the temperature forecast for Nebraska and Kansas starts cooler than normal this weekend. Then warms to near and warmer than normal for early next week through April 30th for precipitation. That active period of above normal precipitation is predicted to continue for Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through the 30th. Soil temperatures at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, mostly in the low 50s, including the southern two-thirds and eastern Nebraska, also into nearby parts of north central and northeast kansas so most of us with temperatures at the soil in in the low 50s so a lot of people starting to get underway with their planting soil temperatures as cool as the upper 40s found over north central and northwest nebraska the warmest soil temperatures in the mid to upper 50s found over west and south kansas weather factors in the market today include persistent rain in the eastern midwest and favorable conditions across South America. An active weather pattern will continue this week. Each storm taking a generally a movement of west to east, but taking a slightly more southerly track later on in the week. One system early this week tracking across the northern plains right near the Canadian border. Then a system in the mid to late week tracking across the central plains, lower Midwest and northeast. And as that storm track shifts, Cool air will gradually settle to the south. In the Midwest, the eastern and southern areas will receive the greatest activity of rain, and that will continue to delay their overall planting process. The northern Midwest will see lighter precipitation, but cooler temperatures will affect their fieldwork progress. The northern plains crop areas also have a slower outlook for fieldwork due to wet fields after late winter and spring snow and rain. Things continue to look up in the southern plains with improving soil moisture and warm temperatures helping out their growth of wheat. Across Brazil, scattered showers in the central and north will help out the winter corn. The precipitation lighter in south Brazil to help out for harvest. Central Argentina, drier this next week to improve harvest conditions after very heavy rain and flooding last week. Soil moisture likely to be favorable ahead of the start of wheat planting next month in Argentina. All right. Ag weather brought to you today by Kuhlman Repair. And, Paul, if you were placing your bets, where do you get the 
start of any any well thunderstorm activity, I guess, tonight. Probably off towards the northwest because we already do have an isolated thunderstorm chance in the panhandle, and then that will gradually sweep to the southeast. So central and eastern areas probably looking at after midnight and lingering into tomorrow morning. All right. We'll keep it up to date for you right here on 880. And when you need weather anytime, it's at krvn.com. information on the Roll Radio Network. I'm Joe Gangwish. Suggestions on regulations should be eliminated or modified being solicited by the Environmental Protection Agency. That's according to a notice published last week in the Federal Register. Business, nonprofit groups, and others are urged to submit comments on what rules disproportionately impose costs, hurt job creation, are outdated or otherwise inconsistent with this administration's recent actions. It's part of President Trump's regulatory reform executive order directing agencies to reduce unnecessary federal rules through their newly created task force. Now, according to the notice, although the agency will not respond to individual comments. The EPA values public feedback and will give careful consideration to all input that it receives. EPA will also be conducting outreach on the same topic. They say comments are due into the agency by May 15th of 2017. The ethanol industry working to expand the use of higher blends of ethanol. Bruce Gorder has more. One such company is Green Plains Incorporated. Jim Stark is the vice president for investor and media relations with Green Plains. And he says they are working with fuel retailers to make E15, a blend of 15% ethanol and 85% gasoline, more available to consumers. Green Plains has has gotten to be a, a sizable player in the, in the ethanol market, and we have been always supportive of higher blends of E15 across the country. Uh, we've been very active with Growth Energy and the program called Prime the Pump to get more uh, of those non-obligated parties, those retailers like Come and Go and Quick Trip and Racetrack in the QTs to come over and want to sell more E15 to the market because we feel that as as a as a as a company and as an industry we should see higher blends of this homegrown product into our fuel supply that's jim stark of green plains and i'm bruce gorder on the rural radio network so far 2017's food prices are not behaving like they did last year and marie coons usda food price economist lists some of the food products besides meats that registered price increases in march fresh fruit prices also rose those increased one percent but we are still paying half a percent less for fresh fruits this March than we did last March. Sugars and sweets also rose, cereals and bakery products and other foods. So a lot of the foods within the center aisles of the supermarket were also paying slightly more in March than we did in April. Sugars and sweets were paying 0.4% more, cereals and bakery products 0.2% more, and other foods, which include things like snacks, soups, um, frozen entrees were paying 0.6% more um, in March than we did in February. Well, for the second month in a row, we saw a decrease in egg prices and are paying less now for dairy products. Drones have been a hot talk in agriculture for the past several seasons, but how popular are they really? Well, according to a recent Farm Journal poll that surveyed more than a 1,000 farmers and ranchers that use this technology, they say it's definitely gained a firm, a firm foothold in the ag industry. The poll simply asked, will you use a drone on your operation this year? And of the nearly 
1,100 respondents, a third answered positively with 21% saying they will operate the drones themselves and another 12% opting for a retailer or other third-party entity to fly the drones for them. Another 31% say they will keep an open mind about using drones on their operation in 2018 but weren't ready to pull the trigger yet this year. The final 37% say they aren't interested in using this new technology. We've got some new technology for you. We've got podcasts and video. It's right there on the homepage at RuralRadio.com. That's a look at Ag News. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. Well, the grain market's today under pressure. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we talk with Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. And I guess the question might be, why is wheat hurt the most today? I think the wheat uh, bears really came back after uh, eating their Easter hams, Dewey, because uh, we've got a little bit wetter forecast for Kansas and uh, areas that missed the last big rain that came through about a week, week and a half ago. Kansas, southern Nebraska, hard red wheat areas, and I think this is why you've got that 2.5% lower leading the downside in the hard red May and uh, July hard red wheat futures. So I think you're seeing quite a bit of uh, pressure stemming just from the wheat market alone. And I don't think we're getting very much business um, out of the Middle East yet. And that maybe is a little bit more disappointing to the trade as well. Now, having said that, we had almost a 25 million bushel weekly export inspection number. That beat the trade estimates, uh, even the highest trade estimates. So maybe this is something that once we get the crop conditions report out of the way, which is supposed to be about 54% good to excellent, maybe then we'll start to see a little bit of a base being built. That crop progress report comes out a little after 3 this afternoon. In the corn trade, too, again, we're in a downside slide here. Yes, and you know, the Argentine weather is not giving us any support in the corn like it is, I think, in the soybeans. The tremendous 52 million bushel corn weekly export inspection also coming in at the very top end of the highest trade estimates, not giving us any support, nor is the weaker dollar. And I think this, again, probably most of it can be laid at the feet of the wheat market and the pressure in in that sector and the wheat leading the corn lower. There is also probably a little bit of negativity coming into this market, especially in light of the corn planting number coming out this afternoon as well, that the weather market is probably a little bit more nervous because the models have dried out in the central part of the Corn Belt. 8% is the average trade guess for corn planting on the Reuters poll. With us today is Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Tough question to answer here is where do we see the upside potential in these grains? Will it be soybeans to lead the way up or will it be something else? I don't think fundamentally it's going to be the soybeans. I think it's probably going to be the corn market. The acres are going to be dropping globally around the world and and, and in the United States as well more in the corn market. The feed demand, the export demand, the ethanol demand all get the highest marks in the corn complex. In fact, I look at this market pretty simply in that, Dewey, if we don't have the beans leading us lower, then the downside in the corn market probably isn't that great. Even with the wheat market where it's at, I still think that the wheat market's closer to its low. So I'm more worried about beans and meal in the medium term. With the sharp drop that we're having, do we have an opportunity here to go back up a little and recover some of this on Turnaround Tuesday? I think so, and I think the other thing goes back to these models. The weather models have been all over the place, both in terms of precip and temperatures, and so I think it may just be one of those situations where we have to be right in the middle of a heavier rain forecast 
and it's actually on the radar screen or we're much colder than the trade expected, that gives them the confidence to actually step out there and buy. Quick comment from you on the uh, cattle futures trade. You're seeing about a 1.5% increase at times in feeder cattle against a 1.5% decline in corn. I think the feeders are finding great support off the corn. That's bolstering the live cattle along with boxed beef, and they're probably spreading the short side on the hogs. Thanks, Mike. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. You can go to globalanalytics.biz and get more information. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Gene Taylor was introduced this morning as the new athletic director at Kansas State, and he has a pretty simple approach to things as he gets set to take over in Manhattan. To be honest with you, for me to say, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this would be a little unfair because um, I have my own ideas, but I guarantee the people in this room have a lot better ideas for me that I need to just sit and listen to and find out. What are their goals? And every head coach and every department heads are going to have some different goals and some different um, ideas that they think they need to be successful. The, the sense that I got from the committee and people on the committee was they wanted to go to the, whatever the next level is. Taylor spent the last couple of years as the deputy athletic director at Iowa. Before that, he spent more than a decade as the athletic director at North Dakota State during their transition to Division One status. Trailing 6-5 to five with two outs on the bottom of the eighth inning, the Husker baseball team scored three runs with two coming on a triple by Mojo Hagee. Luis Alvarado closed the door in the ninth for his sixth save of the year as Nebraska notched an 8-6 win and avoided a sweep by the visiting Hawkeyes. The Huskers will play their next four games on the road, starting with a trip tomorrow night to Omaha to face off against Creighton again at TD Ameritrade Park. Then the Huskers have a big road series this weekend in Minneapolis against Big Ten leading Minnesota. Well, spring football wrapped up over the weekend for the Huskers, and one of those players who performed well was junior quarterback Tanner Lee. He talks about his first experience as a Husker. Oh, it was a lot of fun. Um, I was joking with some of the guys the first time I played in front of a big crowd that was on my, on my side. Excuse me. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. I felt comfortable and... Uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. It felt good to get back out there. Uh, I think I did uh, pretty good. Yeah, there were some throws uh, I should have made, but I think um, yeah, we had a few touchdowns, and uh, we were scoring points, so I'm happy with that. Lee, redshirt freshman Patrick O'Brien, and true freshman Tristan Jevia all played well on Saturday and reportedly played well throughout spring. Well, Nebraska's quest for a sixth NCAA championship in women's bowling came up short on Saturday night as McCandry took down the Huskers 4 to nothing in that NCAA championship match in UN's season with a head-to-head record of 93-26. and And more than 30,000 runners are taking part in this year's Boston Marathon. This is the 121st edition of the race. Corset sends participants on that 26.2-mile trek. Fast times are expected with a tailwind gusting up to 30 miles an hour. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Partly cloudy today. Some isolated showers in the panhandle. Highs today ranging around 68 to 73 degrees. I'm Dave Schroeder. A Lincoln attorney and former State Board of Education member is running for Nebraska Secretary of State. Bob Evnen announced this morning that he's launching a campaign to replace current Secretary of State John Gale, who decided not to seek re-election in 2018. Evnen is scheduled to travel the state this week. 
Evden has been active in the Nebraska Republican Party for years and worked extensively with the group Nebraskans for the death penalty last year to reinstate capital punishment. He served on the State Board of Education from 2005 through 2013. Evden made the announcement with U.S. Senator Deb Fischer and Mark Quandall, a former state senator and state education board member. Nebraska State Senator John Moranti of Gretna is also considering a run for Secretary of State. The current commander of the 4th Marines interviewed a World War II veteran in Nebraska to chronicle his experiences for the 75th anniversary of the surrender of the Corregidor and for teaching future Marines. Colonel Kevin Norton stopped by the Bennington, Nebraska retirement home last week and interviewed 96-year-old Warren Jorgensen about his life and experiences in the Marines. While Iowa native Jorgensen was touring with the 4th Marine Regiment, he witnessed the departure of the China Marines from Shanghai in 1941, the Japanese attack on Manila after Pearl Harbor, and the fall of the Corregidor in 1942. The filmed interview with Jorgensen will be shown next month during services commemorating the 75th anniversary of the surrender of the Corregidor. The film will also be used to teach young Marines about the Corps history. West Central District Health Department in North Platte is aware and currently investigating a lab-confirmed case of measles. A Madison Middle School student was treated for measles last week. The district is working to contact anyone who may have been exposed. A collaborative investigation between the district and the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services indicates that there were several possible public exposures in Lincoln County. A former girlfriend of the suspect in the slaying of an elderly Cleveland, Ohio man has told CBS News in a text that 37-year-old Steve Stevens was a nice guy who was generous to everyone and kind and loving to her and her children. Joy Lane says she had a relationship for several years with Stevens, now the target of a nationwide manhunt for the Easter slaying. News happens anytime, anywhere. Send word to us with a tip under the News tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Taking place last week was the Water for Food Conference at Innovation Campus, and one of the topics discussed last week was how producers deal with water issues. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Danny Merkley. He is the Director of Water Resources for the California Farm Bureau, who was one of a paneled speaker discussions at the Water for Food Conference. Danny, obviously a lot of conversations have stemmed around California, agriculture, and the drought. But now that you are coming out of that drought, why don't you tell us about the current status of California? It has improved uh, quite a bit. Our reservoirs are full. Uh, they were down at Deadpool just a couple of years ago. Uh, we have a very healthy uh, Sierra snowpack, which is our largest natural reservoir. And... Um, we uh, are looking at allocations of water. Uh, just yesterday, the Bureau of Reclamation uh, announced 100% allocation to um, our members and the contractors south of the Delta in the San Joaquin Valley. So that's uh, very good news. When it comes to some of the issues with regulations, with the drought now coming out of it, what are some of those issues that producers in California have been facing and dealing with? Well, um, my environmental friends and the legislator, legislators I deal with uh, 
are quick to point out never let a good crisis go to waste and so uh, they have used uh, this uh, current drought that that now the governor has declared over the state of emergency uh, in most places in California they have used that to advance uh, uh, their agenda and, and and their policies. One of those things is uh, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. It was uh, three bills that the legislature passed and the governor signed uh, into law that became the act. Um, that, over the next 20 years as it plays out, will uh, absolutely dry up um, some significant parts of production agriculture in California, in the San Joaquin Valley, and uh, even in the, the Central Coastal Range uh, areas where a lot of uh, fresh fruits and vegetables are grown. Uh, quite honestly, um, if we do not upgrade our infrastructure to be able to provide the surface water the way we get it today in, in these flashier storm systems, uh, we will see significant chunks of production agriculture, prime ag land, uh, dry up. And at, at a time when people are talking about 9 billion people um, in the world are getting to that point, this is no time to be taking um, productive land out of uh, production. When we're talking about this transition period that producers are going to be facing, especially in those areas, what is it going to look like for them moving forward? Um, I think the, the long-term view from my perspective is all the forecasts show that we're going to have more frequent uh, dry periods and longer dry periods, and we're going to have those intermittent flashier storm systems like we saw this year. Uh, so that, again, is one of the reasons I, I sound like a broken record when I talk about the need for upgrading our infrastructure and creating uh, additional storage and new storage so that we can capture that excess water, what's excess to the environment and for human needs at the time, for water quality and whatnot, and be able to store it and release it for the environment, for fish and for irrigation and municipal and industrial uses, human uses um, during those drier periods. So um, it, it's going to be very important to learn from what we've been through this last five, six years uh, of, of drought and then plenty. And it, it's like balancing your checkbook, uh, just managing your money. Being with Farm Bureau and able to talk to the producers yourselves, get a one-on-one -on -one feel for that, how have they been dealing with the issues with the drought, now having a wet period, and with the legislation altogether? One of the things that um, I would be remiss if I didn't say is that Farm Bureau was, and I was the, the face of it in the legislature in 2014, adamantly opposed to the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act uh, because it was being rushed. And it's a very complex, complicated issue, and uh, many people don't understand it, certainly not the legislature. Um, they don't have the expertise or the understanding. Uh, so they're looking at at the, the warm and fuzzy part of it and, and passing something that they think is uh, is good, but it was um, created in such a way we're, we're already starting to see many unintended consequences. But since it was signed into law, uh, California Farm Bureau has been the leader um, getting out and uh, informing uh, folks in rural California particularly and our members the importance of getting involved, understanding the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act, what it does, what it's going to do, 
and the importance for them to be at the table and helping to form uh, the local uh, sustainability agencies and uh, forming their groundwater sustainability plan. So uh, that that's uh, something that, that I'm very proud of, seeing farmers uh, and ranchers in California stepping up and and rolling up their sleeves and digging into something that's ugly and unpleasant but uh, necessity. Otherwise, you haven't got a leg to stand on if you want to cry about it later. We've been talking with Danny Merkley. He is the Director of Water Resources with the California Farm Bureau, who was also a speaker at the Global Water for Food Conference. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Now we get an assessment of these livestock futures trading today with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yes, sir. Well, uh, seems like we're uh, in kind of a uh, uh, trap here. Uh, we seem to be doing just about the same thing every day. Cattle higher, hogs lower. And today was no exception. Uh, cattle up once again. Interesting thing is, is the cash seems to be range-bound. We bounce around, but we stay within a range here over the last couple of three weeks. But the futures are rallying to that cash price. And that is something that we hadn't been doing for quite some time, but we've done it now very consistently for uh, quite a few days in a row. So another uh, strong day. Cutouts higher again. That helped uh, uh, the attitude uh, in the market. And we're still uh, discount to that recent uh, cash sale. So it's just another day, another repetition of uh, what we've been doing uh, here now for several days in, adva- in in a row. Over in the hogs, lower again. Uh, we did uh, have one day in here, a couple of days in here, where we kind of stopped our decline, but uh, right back into it again today. Cash softer, cutouts uh uh, a little bit higher, but uh, boy, the volume uh, in the pork trade was uh, very light, so that didn't give much encouragement. And uh, with the April going off the board, that puts the uh, May contract now in the lead tomorrow with a pretty good premium. So we'll see. Now, the market is a little bit oversold, just like the cattle a little bit overbought, but right now that hasn't changed anything. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities. 800-328-0134. Dewey Nelson reporting. 880 KRVN, 106.9 Kearney. I'm Bruce Porter on the Rural Radio Network. At the recent Nebraska Ethanol Board Emerging Issues Forum, there was a lot of talk about policies and procedures in the new President Donald Trump administration. The jury is still out judging the final product, but some of the early signs are looked at as positive. Got a chance to visit with Governor Pete Ricketts and asked him if he has noticed a change in attitude towards renewable fuels. Yeah, absolutely. I think this gives us a great opportunity with the new administration to have an influence through the Governor's Biofuel Coalition. The last administration really ignored us. It was kind of their way or the highway, and whenever we would testify in front of their panels and so forth, we really got the cold shoulder. This administration really is reaching out and seeking input. I'm working right now, for example, to sit down with um, EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt and talk about some of the issues we've got with regard to how the EPA has treated renewable fuels in the past. And I, I really expect that based upon my experience in other parts of the administration, that they are seeking our input. They're looking for what do governors think? How can we help create 
good policy to grow our country that will also help us in our states. So I'm really excited about the opportunities we have with this new administration. They are much more open than the last administration. Have you talked to anybody at EPA yet? Well, I haven't actually, no, we're still actually looking to get out, uh, set up a phone call right now with Scott Pruitt. Frankly, the health care debate has really kind of absorbed a lot of the administration's uh, bandwidth right now. But I have had a chance to see um, Scott Pruitt uh, at the inaugural ball in, uh, you know, back in January and gave him a heads up that we were going to be looking to talk to him about and what we were going to be looking to talk to him about. And he was very open to sitting down and having that conversation. When you look at the state level, what can the state do to help promote the ethanol industry? Well, one of the things that we're doing at the state is by ordering our state fleet to use all flex fuel vehicles, or if that's not possible, vehicles that use E15, and converting all of our pumps over to E15, so that we that's what we are setting a good example to the state by doing. Uh, another thing that we do at the state is really try and create just a general um, environment where we can help companies that are expanding, like the ones we saw last year in Jackson, Adams, Fairmont, and Columbus, so that it's easy for them to make those expansions. In fact, I was just with uh, Kappa Ethanol out in Ravenna uh, a couple weeks ago when they had you know purchased the plant there that had been closed down they were reopening it and they uh, chuck woodside their ceo just went on and on about how easy it was to work with the department of Envi- department of environmental quality to get the permits they needed provisional permits to get started on construction right away rather than having to wait until they had a permanent permit in hand that helps us get people to work faster creates jobs faster and of course helps us expand our capacity for producing ethanol here in our state that's all good We also want to continue to promote exports. Last year, we exported a billion gallons of ethanol, and that was up 26% from 2015. Well, that's a great opportunity for us to, again, expand the industry here in our state. 96% of the world's consumers lie outside our borders. And trust me, I was just over in China last November. They need our ethanol. The air quality there is terrible. So we can really help them out by showing them the benefits of using ethanol to help clean up their air. It's a win-win for us to be able to export more ethanol. It's a win for them to help get more environmentally uh, friendly and protect the health and safety of their citizens. So those are some of the great opportunities that we at the state can do to help expand the ethanol industry. Governor Ricketts also said just because the EPA is willing to listen to the governor's biofuels coalition doesn't mean there is not a lot of work to be done. He said they need to work with the EPA on the science of ethanol and also updating the renewable fuel standard. I'm Bruce Corder on the Rural Radio Network. 880 KRVN. It was a day of lower prices in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Soybeans suffered the most. And with us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So let's focus on that wheat market. Yeah, just nasty price action across the board. Wheat leading, led lower by uh, by KC, which is a little bit of a head-scratcher given that the, the other hard red markets, um, spring wheat specifically, wasn't really down much. Uh, I think a lot of it's spreading against soybeans. There are some seasonal uh, recommendations here that, that we tend to follow where you do sell wheat against beans here this time of the year and then maybe buy a little meal as well against the wheat. But at this point, I think it's all based on weather and kind of the outlook that the crop out, uh, out south of you guys is going to be just as good as it was last year, which is kind of head-scratching given that we... Uh, you know, we, we haven't seen production like that in years, and we're going to get two in a row, essentially, uh, if, you, if you look at April weather as an indicator, which a lot of folks do. So it uh, feels like maybe we'll run down there to $4 July. Uh, 
should weigh on corn here in the short term. I'd like to be a little more bullish and friendly on corn, given that the um, you know the, the, the shipments reports that we got out today were friendly for corn, and uh, you know we're uh, very very well, 64% above uh, where we were a year ago in, in in corn, which is a massive number given the amount of corn we do export, but just talking to folks in the more interior part of the belt they're not seeing any lift in the basis we're trading essentially i think of little east of you guys 340 on the board cash which uh which is basically where we've been for the last three weeks so the, the board will give it and the basis take it away and that kind of feels like a market right now that's going to have a hard time lifting the board uh until maybe we get through some of these deliveries in may it appears that the prospects of some planting delays just not a concern on the market at the time I don't think so, and it's tough, you know. To the, I thought, and just kind of looking at this three-day weekend, I had some time yesterday to do some research and look at the uh, kind of sentiment online, and I thought maybe we would be higher. And I think a lot of the trade thought, looking at the forward outlooks and how much rain they're going to get, you know, like I said, east of you guys into Missouri, more in southern Iowa, that uh, maybe we would see the market put in some weather premium, but it, it did the exact opposite, took a lot of it out, um, and like then technically doesn't look very good either here so it feels like maybe we run back down sub 360 and then rebase for another run higher once these contracts go off the board it doesn't look like there's a lot of fundamental reason to support the complex no not at all i mean at this point it's money flow and right now there's nothing to change it and until that happens we're probably stuck here in this range thanks john go to danielsagmarketing.com for more information we've been talking with john payne the senior market analyst with daniels ag marketing in chicago publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. Dewey Nelson reporting on the World Radio Network. Response has been tremendous for relief efforts going to wildfire victims on the plains, but your help is still needed. Farm and ranch families continue to recover from the March fires, which burned over a million acres in Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. Our wildfire relief link at ruralradio.com has many ways you can help donate cash, hay, and supplies. These farmers and ranchers still need your help. Please visit the wildfire relief page at ruralradio.com.